Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's the Flyers Forecast with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsythe. Taking a look at your Flyers week ahead. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flyers Forecast. I am Steve Chico. This is Craig Forsyth, and we are about to talk about our Philadelphia Flyers week ahead for the week of August 24th. And Craig, we are looking at a week where the Flyers are in the second round of the playoffs. That's right, folks. The Flyers advance past the Montreal Canadiens and are due to take on the New York Islanders. Yeah, I mean, let's. I I'm pretty happy. All things considered, I'm just happy they won that fucking series. I mean, it, they haven't won one since 2012, and uh, there's been some real boring kind of going through the motions playoffs over the years. But this year, it, it was actually exciting. Uh, I mean, you know, they have a team that can actually contend. And it's the first time we've been able to root for a team like that in the postseason. And it wasn't pretty, uh, and it wasn't fun, but they got the job done. And now, finally back in the second round. And, uh, you know, this series may not be a lot of fun either, but I I don't care. The Flyers have a goalie stealing games right now, and anything is possible. So that's the way I'm going to look at it. Uh, and, and I'm just I'm happy they're in the second round, and I'm pretty pumped that we get to keep watching Flyers, hockey's, Flyers hockey. Meaningful games. Uh, and deep in the postseason. It's a nice change of pace. It is a nice change of pace, and it's the first time since the year 2012 that the Flyers have advanced to the second round. Uh, just to, to make a note of that, so I've been podcasting for, actually since the 2012 season, I believe. And wow. Yeah, so this is the only the second time I've gotten a podcast. I used to do the Flyers Faithful podcast with Hal Greenblatt, and... Uh, this is only the second time I've gotten to talk about the Flyers in the second round of the playoffs, and <laughs> which is wild shit. It is really just yeah. crazy that it, it's come to that. And it's the first time uh, that Craig and I have gotten to discuss the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, we've been I was casting together. Yeah, we. So you and I started doing this on a regular routine in 2016, 17, I think. But like 2015, 16, we would do it occasionally. I think we would do like one or two podcasts a month. So I remember like talking about that 2016 series, which was fucking rough too. Cause I was like, Mason might be able to steal some stuff. And then he let in like the worst goal in playoff history. And that kind of went downhill. And then 2018 was another series where like I, it just wasn't fun to talk about. Like it just wasn't going to be a good time. So I, 2012, 2012, we were both at Flyers Faithful with Marcello and Kim. And uh, some other some other writers that uh, a lot of Flyers Twitter knows about. Uh, but I think I did like seventy fucking recaps that year uh, for for the website. I just remember writing about the Penguin series and just being, God, that series was absolutely nuts. Um, but I just 
Yeah, I'm happy we're here again. It's, it's you know, to quote our famous saying, it's been a while. Or definitely our famous saying that we came up with. Uh, so it's it's been a while. Been a while. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, it keeps going. I wanted. Like, to, I've had two. I've had two other jobs since oh, the Flyers. God, I was in best. college. I was in. I was a senior in college, and now All right, I'm we, an we old fucking man a, with gout. Spry young man. And no, no, I, that's not where I've, I'm. Thirty, and now my 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 feet are failing on me already. So I, it's a long time ago. That's it. Was a minute. <laughs> yes, but as you said, like a lot of these past series were not that fun to talk about, and no. to be honest, this this first series was not that fun to talk it's about. It's not either. fun either. Yeah, I mean. The Flyers won, so it's fun in that regard, but the actual hockey played was not that fun. I will say the the one thing I did enjoy, though, is that the the Flyers and Canadians became uh, rivals very quickly in that series. Like, it just, I can name at least, like, two or three Canadians I can't stand now, which Mm -hmm. is opposed to before where it was, I could, you know, name Carey Price and uh, Druin. That was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. But I, and uh, Shea Weber, of course. You know, former Flyer Shea Weber. Yeah, Shea Weber. Yeah, former Flyer great. Uh, no, I'm with you, though. And I think, like, the series overall was pretty painful, but it was exciting to me because the Flyers actually, I mean, they eked out playoff-style hockey. We always hear uh, annoying excuses for other teams that, you know, play annoying styles of hockey and come out winning, like the team the Flyers are about to play. But they leaned on goaltending. Uh, they played some pretty... Scary defense at times, but they didn't let up goals. Uh, it was it, it was beautiful hockey. That's what I'll leave it at. Also, yeah, I did I did start to hate the team. This was this is why I love playoff hockey because I, I fucking hate Nick Suzuki. I've hated Shea Weber, and he's getting all these cheap shots, and he's getting his fucking panties in a bunch when like Nick Suzuki gets the head tap back from Derek Grant, which like I. We just got to talk about that. We'll talk about the close of the series, I guess, on the purge. But Derek Grant just giving it back to Nick Suzuki. I think that was that was one of my favorite Flyers moments in a minute. And I know the head tap really shouldn't mean anything because the Flyers have bigger fish to fry, I guess. But just just let them know, like, yeah, you're an asshole. And then Grant giving it back <laughs> to him right at the right time. And Weber, like, freaked out and tried to start a fight afterwards. Like, that, I like that shit. That was, you're the better team and you're letting the Canadians know you're the better team. So I look for and AV's game and shit with all the quotes about Gallagher and stuff. And I just like him. AV not backing down from well, I mean, he broke his jaw, but then he didn't stop talking. Like that angle of it is just so fucking great. And I I don't think we're gonna get the same stuff with trots, but I uh, I'm, I'm just back into it. Uh, this is the most pumped about the about the Flyers since twenty twelve. So let's do it. Yeah, the the pests that Montreal had between Gallagher and Suzuki was something I was not expecting. And then oh my the gamesmanship God. from Elaine Vigneault from Big Al himself, I was totally not expecting that for him to come out and, you know, after hearing a diagnosis that, that Gallagher's jaw was broken, for Big Al to come out and just be like, well, he wouldn't shut up for five minutes after, <laughs> it's just, after it happened. I, so, so I didn't think anything was wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so good. They also, like, Armia did a lot of annoying shit that series. Ben Chirot was like an underrated dickhead. Like he was going around getting these jabs and all these cheap. Like they, no, they they played their part. They were an annoying team to play against. And uh, I mean, we're going to get a lot of that with the Islanders too. So this, this is going to be another series that I think is going to, I you know, it's funny. People will talk this year about not hating the Islanders. I hate the Islanders. It's a New York-based team. Every fan I've ever met the Islanders are people that, they're like me. They're, they're, 
you know, the, the arrested development. Like they're they have a stunted growth and they never got past the age of like eighteen and they just have they're just obnoxious about their hockey team. So it's they're just the louder versions of me talking about the Islanders. I, I swear to God, like they're the worst group of fans out there. And they're gonna we're gonna hate the way they play, and it's gonna be really annoying a really annoying tight defensive like series where Matt Martin's going to score like a game winning goal or two. And we're all going to be really pissed off at the Islanders by like game, by like the second period of game one, I think is what I'm going with. Um, but I mean, how you, how you feeling, Steve? Well, as you said in the last round, there's like three or four teams that their whole existence in these playoffs is basically, and all of their success uh, can pretty much just be attributed to the fact that they are playing tight defense, not really protecting the house. chances protecting yep. the house. And three of those teams got eliminated and the flyers have to play the fourth team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the Canadians, the blue jackets, the coyotes and the Islanders and God damn it. Like the flyers have to play. And part of that's because they were the top seed. Uh, but I, I mean, so I, I I don't, I don't love this matchup for the Flyers. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders are not... They're not a better hockey team than the Flyers. But Trotz is a master of annoying-ass defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way... That's a good way to put it. I, I think the the Flyers have more skill overall. I don't know what the gap would be, but uh, Trotz... Trotz always gets the most out of his team, and uh, he wherever he goes, they play a sound defensive system, and the underlying numbers aren't great because they limit teams to a lot of one-and-dones, and they chip the puck out a lot. And they, there are times where they are not getting the puck past their own red line, but the other team is not really producing a lot of chances, and then they get – they just they're, they're, it's going to look a lot like the Canadian series, except – the Canadians causing problems in the Flyers' defensive zone on the forecheck and stuff. I think you're going to see a lot more of it, like a counterattack stuff where the Islanders are making plays in their defensive zone. They kind of set up chances going the other way. And uh, Canadians had a lot of speed, uh, and they cause Flyers problems by just kind of attacking the defensive with a lot of speed and aggression on the forecheck. I think the Islanders can do that too, but I think the Islanders are a little bit of a slower team, and it's going to be a lot more low event kind of a defensive system kind of hockey. Like, I think the Flyers are going to get, they're going to spend more time in the offensive zone this series. They're going to get better quality chances. Uh, and they're not going to look as bad for stretch. Like they look bad against Canadians for stretches at, at, at a time because they have small quick forwards that were just all over the place and could make you look bad on, I mean, like eluding pins against the board. It's like that. The Canadians rolled out those a bunch of times, create plays, uh, like just sneaking up on people in the neutral zone to steal the puck or really pressuring people on zone exits. I don't know if the Islanders are going to be as effective with all that shit, but they're going to be a lot more difficult to score against. Um, that's what I'm going with. That was a long-winded way of saying, get ready to hate more of this hockey. <laughs> it's going to be another very, like, not high-end. It, it's going to be... Minimal scoring chances, the goalies are going to play great, and they're not going to see a lot of action on the scoreboard. What's what's interesting to me about the difference between the Islanders and the Canadians with this system, though, and the type of defensive hockey they're playing, is the Canadians have one of the top goaltenders in the league and one of the top defensive threats in the league, and Carey Price and Shea Weber, respectively. Whereas the Islanders, I mean, they've got Varlamov, who's 
good, but he's not Carey Price. And no, no, no. they don't have anybody on their defense that's really at Shea Weber level. So they don't. I'm gonna talk. I'll talk about the goalies because the goaltending is gonna be another huge factor in this series because the goalies define the the Flyers Canadian series and also their defense. They don't have a Weber type, but their entire defense right now are kind of bigger guys that can move, and none of the pairs are getting pinned in their own zone, and they're all kind of driving play. So, like the defense is pretty. It's it's gonna be pretty stout. And Ryan Pulak, I'll I'll talk about him in a second, but he's got. I don't think people realize the kind of offensive presence he has to go with his uh, two way game. But we'll talk about goalies right now. So Varlamov during the season, 19-14-6, 9-14 save percentage, 2.62 GAA, and two shutouts. In the bubble, played all nine games for the Islanders, 7-2, 9-34 save percentage, 1.67 GAA, and one shutout. A um, couple other things about the team defense in front of them. The Islanders haven't allowed 30 shots against in a single game yet in the bubble. Um, comparison's sake, the Flyers who have been playing... I mean, I still think they were playing pretty stout defense. Um, I know the underlying numbers weren't great, but I, I think they did a pretty good job of cutting down a lot of cross-ice chances and odd-man rushes and breakaways for Hart last series. But even with that said, for their nine games, they allowed 30 shots or more on net. Um, and the Flyers led the league uh, this year with 42 games where they forced the opponents to under 30 shots. So the the Islanders, you know, Varlamos making a lot of saves, but at the same time, the Islanders are really limiting the, the work he's got to see. Uh, this brings me to Hart, and then talk about Price and Holpe and how the Islanders are. The Islanders, if you want to look for positive, this the Hart's going to be the toughest goalie the Islanders have faced yet in the bubble. Uh, so we'll see if that how much that alters what they want to do. Uh, but Hart in the bubble, six two and zero, nine forty three save percentage, one point seven one GAA, and two shutouts. The man is on fire. Uh, he he is the reason why the Flyers won the last series, uh, and it's not. He's been, I mean, he's been maybe the most important player so far in the bubble for any team. Just look, kind of looking at stats and everything. Uh, he's up there. I don't know if he's the best. That might be a wild statement to say. But when you look at... Um, I mean, those two shutouts were close games. and one nothing and 2 nothing. And game right. one was a 2-1 game. And, I mean, they, they leaned on him a lot in that series. And uh, there really wasn't any part of that series the Flyers dominated. So they, they needed some good goaltending. Um, and, uh, let's see. So one of the stats, uh, I'm looking at is for goals against and then expected goals against. Uh, so you want that difference to be, you know, you want, you want to have the least amount of goals against with a higher expected goals against total. And out of the 12 goalies that played 300 more uh, minutes, uh, in the bubble, uh, at five on five, I think Hart has the best difference when it comes to goals against and expect the goals against and bar uh, price was second. So that flyers Canadian series was a huge goaltending duel where Hart ended up having the best quality starts and, and outings out of all the goalies in the first round and price was second. So price did a lot in that series too, to keep the Canadians in it, but the flyers won a goaltending duel. And meanwhile, the Islanders played Hopi who, um, was one of the worst goalies in the first round overall. So another stat, too, is goal saved above average, and that's supposed to be another variation of looking at, like, the quality of saves you made based on the quality of chances you saw against, uh, and you want to be higher 
higher positive values are better than negative values. Uh, and among the 12 goalies that qualified, played 300 minutes more, uh, Varlamov was second, and then uh, Hopi was 12th. In terms, and so Hopi was hands down the worst goalie in the first round. And when you look at their games, like he just conceded absolutely terrible fucking goals, like goals that the Islanders really didn't have to work for, like some just lazy wrist shots walking in the zone where they didn't have to have any kind of offensive pressure to create a goal. And like that's just not, it's just not going to happen. Like it's just not going to happen this series against the Flyers. And I'm not saying the Islanders aren't going to you know, pressure the Flyers and the goals or anything or creating the offensive zone because they have Mar- Matt Barzal who can do all that. But I, they played a bunch of tight, tight close games and um, they just didn't... They, like, I, I think Holpe was a big factor in that series. And when you look at the, the Capitals, like, I, how checked in was that team? If we want to, like, I know this is a narrative type thing, but the team almost got fucking swept. They just fired their head coach. They looked kind of listless in the bubble. They didn't have Sam Sonoff. Carlson was out for a bit and looked kind of bad on goals against. Backstrom was out for a bit. Like, that was a team that just didn't... And they looked like shit in the round robin. Uh, so they... I don't think the Capitals came in. They were probably the least prepared team coming into the ser- or into the bubble. And the Islanders got to face them after they faced Bob and the Panthers. So, and Bob looked, I mean, Bob's been horrible and Bob, all year, but yeah, Bob yeah. looked, you know, just as bad as he's looked all year in that series. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, so I make that point to bring up this too. Like when you look at the advanced stats in the bubble, uh, 24 teams have played uh, since the qualifying round, obviously. Uh, Flyers are 21st in Quasi 4 percentage, uh, and they're 19th in expected goals 4 percentage. But again, that's when they played the Canadians, who are one of the better play-driving teams in the league. That's why I thought that series was going to be annoying, because they are a small, quick team that is able to just get rebounds, and a lot of their offense is based off just getting rebounds to the net and crashing the boards for rebounds. Uh, and it's not always about quality of chances to origin, like create uh, opportunities. Sometimes you just got to throw the puck on that. And the Canadians, that's all they do. If they had more skilled players up front or guys that could finish or like maybe some higher end names, which they probably will in a couple years, they're going to be really annoying to defend. Uh, so that whole series, you kind of expect that the Flyers to look a little bit like they're going to be on their heels because the Canadians always had the puck. The Islanders aren't going to be the same way. It's going to be a lot of, and the Islanders underlying numbers would look a lot better. Um, than they did during the regular season, uh, especially like quality chances. They are sixth in expected goals for percentage, and they're third in expected goals against for 60. So they're taking away a lot of the quality chances, which helps Varlamov's numbers look better. But again, that's not what their numbers look like in the regular season. They were a lot lower near the bottom of the league in all the play-driving numbers. And it, I think it looks better in the postseason, mainly because they played two teams that... The Panthers are losing that series. Again, the Panthers from their own side of the red line in is, is a mess. They don't really have a good defense, and Bob loves to give up goals now. Uh, they have a lot of offense, and it's maybe not the most structured offensive approach, but they got a lot of skill up front. But that I didn't get the Panthers a chance because the Islanders are, are just too well of a put-together team, like an actual team. And then the Caps have kind of looked disinterested. So I think if you... If you look for ways that the Flyers could win this series, I think that's it. Is you hope that Hart's ability in net is too much for the Islanders, and you hope the slow down, like the Flyers just playing a faster version of a team that's going to cause them issues in terms of controlling play in the puck, that kind of prepared them for a team that's going to slow down and try to do the same thing to them. Uh, so that's 
I mean, I think for me, that's what it comes down to is you hope the goaltending happens and you hope that the change in style will play from high event, often not having the puck and kind of defending your own end a lot more. The switch to a slow down approach where you're kind of trading chances more and it's a lot more plotting up and down the ice. I hope that plays to the uh, the Flyers' advantage, but but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough one, but I think if there is reason for optimism and hope in this series, it is the, the fact that the goaltending and the defenses that the Islanders have played so far just have not been as good as what the Flyers have to offer. Yeah, and I think, um, and we talked about it, you talked about defense too, and they don't have a guy named Shea Weber, and they don't, uh, but they do have they do have a pretty solid defense. I'm going to talk about Ryan Pulak for a second. Um he had 10 goals and 35 points in the blue line this year. Uh, one of ten, def- one of 19 defensemen scored 10 goals or more this season. Uh, Provorov was 1 of 10 with 13 or more. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Pulak also had 10 goals in 17-18, 9 goals in 18-19. Uh, so he's got 29 goals over the last three seasons, which for a defenseman is pretty good. I mean, I equate 10 goal seasons on defense with the 20-goal season for a forward. That's a, I think that's about the same amount like how often it happens league-wide each year. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, he's, he has a slap shot from the blue line. He's got a booming slap shot, and he's going to utilize it a lot. Uh, he led all defensemen this season with 89 slap shots, and he already has 10 in the postseason uh, in however many games. Uh, and he beat, he beat Bob with one. Uh, I think it was game two of that series, but it was an on-screen slap shot, and he put a five-hole on Bob. So he that's going to be an issue because uh, you compare that – with Weber and also Brendan Gallagher was a pretty annoying net front presence that his his presence in front did cause create a couple goals for the uh, the Canadians and his ability to just get to the net and throw the puck on net for rebounds. I call that created goals in that series. So the Islanders are going to have Pulak and they're going to have Anders Lee in front, who is just a bigger version of Gallagher who just mops up rebounds and just vacuum vacuums them up. So I I think that dynamic of like a booming slap shot from the blue line into traffic with a, an annoying net front presence. We're going to see that again in this series. And Anders Lee is nothing. He doesn't get talked about as much as Gallagher, but he's also pretty annoying to play against. He's got a 40-goal season, and he just scores all of his goals from like five feet away from the net. Um, oh, goody. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. It's going to be a does lot of fun also, to watch. Does he also dive bomb the net every chance he gets? Like, that was one of the <laughs> things that was really pissing me off with Gallagher was just like, he was, it was basically open season on Carter Hart, the way he kept diving into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, and like, Gallagher, that's, he did a lot of that annoying shit. He's not going to be, it's going to be the fucking Alder's fourth line that is going to be such an annoying narrative in this in this series, because they are going to piss off the Flyers, and Trotz is going to throw them out there at times against the top six, and like, Clutterbuck's going to get hits in on Giroux and connect me. And then they're going to talk about how they're knocking them off their game, even though those lines are probably going to drive play against the fourth line. It's going to be annoying as shit. So honestly, I don't know if he's going to be that much of an asshole, but they still got Clutterbuck and Tzizekas and Matt Martin to be that like annoying line, which I, uh, man, I just have a bad feeling. Okay. That's one of the things I'm worried about is like, they're going to, he's going to throw the, uh, um, uh, Trous is going to throw the Islanders fourth line out there a bunch. And AV is going to be like, all right, we're going to throw the Thompson line out there to match it. And then it's just going to be like this whole dumb thing of the Thompson line against the Martin line. And we're going to hear about the fourth lines battling this whole time. And really, they're not going to mean it's not going to make a difference besides like a bunch of shitty skaters punching each other in the face. So I'm not looking I'm not looking forward to that angle of the uh, 
of the of the series, but I think that's definitely something. Uh, pull up, by the way. Oh, go go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that that was one of the concerns, though. Flyers fans uh, leaving the Montreal series coming into this is that Vigneault really did start to lean on that fourth line and Nate Thompson in particular late in that series. Yeah, and I think uh, to me, so like looking at it, game five again, we saw him way too much, and also he's out there for the two five and five goals, but I. I mean, those two five and five goals aren't entirely his fault, and that, this doesn't mean defending Nate Thompson. This is me just pointing something out. So, like I, and then the fourth line in Game Six, I thought they looked a little bit better with Grant Thompson and Pitlick, and I think that's a fine. I'm fine with that. I'm not sh- quite sure what to do at three C because I don't think I, I would like a top heavy top six right now. Um, so if that means like maybe Drew Katori Voracek. Ferby, Hayes, Konechny, and then you have Lawton as 3C. But I, I, that hasn't really worked. and Or they haven't really, AV hasn't really gone back to it. So I'm not quite sure what they do at 3C because I don't know if I really want Grant back at 3C and, and Thompson back at 4C right now. Uh, we'll see, though. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I was going to uh, go back to Pulak real quick. Uh, 15th overall pick in 2013. So Sam Marin went 11th, Max Domi went 12th, Josh Morrissey went 13th, Alex Venberg went 14th, and Pulak went 15th. So I'm only saying that because, man, I mean, the defense could have been <laughs> could have been Provorov, Pulak, Sandheim, Niskanen, and Gossifier Myers. And you're just a, asking for it. You you I'm just, just want the more and <laughs> to come, to out, come to out of their hidey hole. I'll just say, I'm like, look at this. Listen to those three pairs and tell me. Which one of those three pairs you don't like? They're all, they all look pretty good to me. I mean, I'll take, I'll take adding one of those three pairs right now. Uh, but let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the units that the honors have been throwing out there too, in terms of lie, lines and uh, pairs, real quick. And we'll stick with defense since we talked about uh, Ryan Pulak a bit. Adam Pellick is their, their other top line or top pair defenseman, uh, and together. Bratz's Trotz, Jesus, has used three main pairs this entire uh, like time they're in the bubble. It's been Pelic and Pulak. Uh, that, that's the fr- the Friday night fundraisers that they have in Long Island for the Islanders. Yeah, every Friday night, uh, Barry Trotz goes around and jogs two point five miles around uh, the Coliseum or the uh, yeah, whatever the hell the, the Coliseum what, whatever right the there. hell. Yeah. You know, yeah, as I said on Twitter, I mean, the Islanders really have the advantage this time because it's the nicest home stadium they played in all year. <laughs> yeah, they finally know where they're playing, so they're at ease. You know, their souls at ease, and they can relax and focus on the game. <laughs> but that's uh, yeah. So after you do the brush shots, uh, you can focus on these pairs, and uh, the three main pairs have been Pelle Pulak, Andy Green, Nicoletti, and Devontae's and Scott Mayfield. Uh, and Greenletty, we'll talk about that in a second. The Pelak Pulak is pretty good. They do a really good job in limiting and suppressing shots and chances against. And Pulak also is pretty good compared to the rest of the league. He's pretty good at generating goals uh, per 60. And so far in the bubble, they have a 51.76 scores for percentage, 56.93 expected goals for percentage, and are winning goals, uh, four goals for, two goals against in over 100 minutes. So they are... Pretty good top pair. Uh, the second pair of Green and Letty, they have a 57.19 expected goals for percentage, six goals for and zero goals against in 88 minutes. However, out of the 33 pairs that have played 80 minutes or more so far in this postseason, they are one of four pairs that haven't allowed a goal against. Uh, and 
that is just not going to continue because one of the reasons why they got six goals was Nick Letty scored two goals against the Caps. He had three goals in 60 regular season games. So I don't bank on Nick Letty being a goal scorer again this postseason. Also, they're PDO. So PDO is a stat where if you combine the shooting percentage and save percentage of a team or a player, it's supposed to break out to 100, and that means they've been pretty level in terms of luck. Like, they aren't getting lucky in terms of shooting. They aren't unlucky with their goalie giving up bad goals against. One way or another, the shooting percentage and their save percentage works out, so they're pretty even. If a team's around, like, 92, 93, they're pretty unlucky. Team's around, like, 106. Everybody's like, oh, why are they so lucky? This fucking pair is at 117. So they haven't allowed a goal against. So they have a hundred save percentage, and apparently when they're on when they're on the ice, the team is shooting seventeen uh, percent. So that's just not going to continue just because of these two guys. And Andy Green loves to get hemmed in his own zone, and Nick Letty is not a point producing guy. He kind of helps with the transition play, but like that, they're just not going to continue at that rate. So if the Flyers can attack this pair and kind of flip the outcome like how they produce in the first series and make them a net negative for the Islanders. I think that's how they can kind of attack this defense. Because the third pair is pretty good for a third pair, too. Um, they've gotten four of the five goals while they've been on the ice. Uh, and out of those 33 pairs, they're seventh when it comes to 1.73 expected goals against per 60. So all, all three of their pairs are pretty good when it comes to limiting quality chances against. They're all within the top uh, eight out of those 33 pairs. But they... And they're all pretty good at getting the puck out of the zone. They don't usually get him in the zone, but Green and Green and uh, and Letty, I think, is the pair that they can they can take advantage of. Okay, and, uh, um, Green and Letty is the one that the targeted pair, if you will. Yeah, I'm thinking that, and uh, whatever pair uh, Justin Braun's on. For the <laughs> yeah, that's who. That's who they're gonna be, and that's the thing that's gonna shoot at me too. Is I think Trotz is gonna find. He's going to know how to get uh, Barzali and Eberle out there against Braun as much as possible, especially in games three, four, and six. Uh, so that's something I'm kind of worried about from the Flyers' perspective. Uh, and I think defensively for the Flyers, I think Matt Barzal is going to be a problem. The, the Canadians didn't have a player like Barzal, and he is a player that can dis- disrupt the entire pace and sequence of this series because this is going to be a series where i think the flyers the flyers are going to be able to get the four check going i think it plays a little more to their hands of having the bigger centers like katori and hayes that kind of milk puck possession where they may not throw as many pucks to the net but they're pretty good at creating time and pressure in the zone uh with whoever they're working with and are pretty good at getting the puck back uh, in terms of back checking so i think they're going to be able to do more of that but Barzal is going to be able to create in the offensive zone no matter who's out there against them. And he did it against he, – he does it all the time. Uh, and he's going to be the only person in this series that is going to be able to pretty much just walk around the offensive zone and wait for either a chance to create in front or he's going to find a passing lane for a high-quality chance. And the Flyers are going to have to figure out a way to limit that as much as possible and just figure out a way to just not let him do his thing. Uh, I, I think he's going to be – He's the one they're going to have to worry about the most, obviously. And he's a he's a scary player to defend. Um, and what was it? 68 games this year. He had 60 points, and 19 of which were goals. Uh, and you look at the rest of the offense. Brock Nelson had 26 goals. Anders Lee had 20. One of 13 teams with only two 20-goal scorers or less. On the other end of the spectrum, Flyers were one of eight teams with four or more. 
Uh, Nelson had 54 points in 68 games. This was his second straight 25-goal season and third overall. And Lee had, this was his fourth straight 20-goal season, previously at 28, 40, and 34. Uh, so, yeah, Brock Nelson is going to be another guy, too. That second line is going to be a pain in the ass. That might actually be the line that's playing best for them. Uh, Bavillier, uh, Nelson, and uh, I think it was Broussard was the other. Oh, no, Bailey. Bavillier, Nelson, and Bailey. So, um, said last in the series, Nick Suzuki was going to be a real pain in the ass to watch. And uh turns out. And he was. And it turns out he was a huge pain in the ass to watch. And, Jesus uh, Christ. I, I yeah. actually came to the realization yesterday that or at least like I had a thought is Nick is watching and experiencing Nick Suzuki. Is that what other teams feel like when they deal with Travis Konechny? Uh, well, I mean, Suzuki was a presence in the playoffs. So, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll find Ouch. out whenever connect. I look, I love Konechny. Ouch. Yeah. I love Konechny. This is two series now. Uh, this one and the Penguins one in 2018, where I, I think I would have liked to see. A little bit more. Hopefully, he sticks it to me this series. Well, Hopefully, he gets like five goals this series. I, I, well, I don't know. Dr. Dunks, taking taking a seat back <laughs> from your dunking. But, like, honestly, like, is that the kind of, like, is that how other teams, like, like, because, oh, that was annoying. Yeah. I mean, Suzuki was getting under everybody's skin. I mean, he did the head tap thing on uh, Hart, and then he kept, he kept scoring fucking goals. Like, just wouldn't stop scoring goals. And... Yeah, connected can be that guy, and I he did score in twenty eighteen, and he but I know he can yap it up and he can get under people's skins, and I want to see more of that from connected. I kind of felt like he just I don't know he just didn't do it. He did kind of did it in the round robin, but I didn't. I feel like I didn't see it as much in that series. Uh, so I don't know if Pavilia is going to be a guy that will be that annoying with it, but he's a fast skater. Uh, he had a really nice goal against the Caps where he just kind of flew down the side of the like flew down the wing and then moved in on Holpe and beat him surprise but uh i he's a guy that uh that second line has been doing pretty good for them uh and they uh i i think bavilia is probably gonna be the player of this series that a lot of people aren't really expecting to make noise but he's gonna end up pissing us off at points in time so and they just it's, it's just gonna be another painful series like it's just gonna be another series that is just really mucking it up uh going to be really low scoring defensively and uh the flyer is just not going to be pretty if the flyers end up pulling it out uh i but i i feel confident steven i feel a lot better playing them now than i think i would have if it was the first game they were playing coming out of uh the pause because uh, the season series did not did not go well but i think the way they played in the first round kind of I don't know. This shows me that they can kind of play in a series like this. And the regular season was a while ago, and the Flyers were 0-2-1 against the Islanders. But two of those losses came mid-November or earlier, which the Flyers were a different team then. I don't know. They just were. Like, that was still back when we were trying to figure out if they were a good team or not. They hadn't figured out the defensive issues. They hadn't figured out um, winning on the road. Uh, they... Like all this stuff, they they didn't have a bottom six there for a while. They didn't have a bottom six the two times they played the Islanders before their meeting in February. And Carter Hart also had one of his worst performances in the season. The first New York Islanders, yeah, the first meeting, and that's that's another thing too. You're right. Like the first meeting, Hart got pulled, and then it was Elliott in the two games after that. So let's run through. We're going to run through the three games that the Flyers played against the Islanders, all losses and, and not really great in any fashion, but five to three loss. In New York on October 27th, 
one of the most painful games to watch all year. Uh, the team overall just looked bad. I remember Sandheim having a couple bad plays. Hart looked bad on a couple of plays. Uh, I mean, Ghost Marin had a horrible goal against. Uh, and also in the lineup were Limblom, Sam Marin, Vorobiev, and Chris Stewart. So, like, that was what, what I'm talking about. At a, like, that was just a different team. Like, those guys being in the lineup, that was just a different point in time. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Just completely different mold. And, again, bottom six got pounded. Islanders jumped out to a lead. And then they just did Islander stuff and just sat on it defensively and played the most boring hockey national. But suffocated the Flyers and knocked it out. Um, and, like you were saying, Hart stopped 9 of 14 that day for a 643 save percentage. Not all on him. But he had a couple he wanted back, and the Islanders aren't going to get that guy right now. They shouldn't, unless some of the craziest bounces we've ever seen get past Hart. But I, they, they shouldn't be seeing that guy right now. Uh, and go to their the next meeting uh, a little less than a month later. Flyers lost a sh- shootout four to three in Philly on November sixteenth. Jumped out to a three zero lead and blew it. And again, looking at the, the lineup, Limblon was in that game. Andy, Andy, Andy was in that game. Andy Andrioff, uh, and Stewart again with Brian Elliott and net. Uh, and I look, that's another way that the Islanders found a way to beat the Flyers. The Flyers had the game in hand and then they tried to sit back. This was not really, they, that was an issue they had early in the year too. Wasn't they, they didn't always go on the attack and the Islanders took it to them, stormed back. And then the Flyers found a way to lose. So two different ways to lose, which isn't really encouraging. Uh, and then the last one was probably the most deflating one and the one that I'm thinking about most when it comes to why I don't have the most confidence in the team. But Flyers were rolling in mid-November or mid-February, just beat the shit out of the Caps in Washington. It was a real, this team might be on to something kind of moment. Going to New York, go down 3 nothing real early. Islanders start playing a defensive, their defensive style, start taking away chances. Flyers somehow claw their way back, come all the way back, Katori ties it. Makes it 3-3 with 132 left. Islanders throw their top unit out there. They create pressure, cycle a bunch, put pressure on the Flyers, and Ryan Pulak wins with 38.9 seconds left. And then the Flyers lose 5-3 in regulation. So that game... Yeah. Like, that game was Islanders came out, did what they wanted to do, kind of sit back, took it easy, and then the Flyers claw their way back somehow, miraculously, and then it was all for nothing. So... I want to point out that the first two games really weren't what the Flyers are now. And then the third game was, you know, over six months ago. But, god damn, it was over six months ago. That's a little nuts. But uh, but still, it was the three different types of games. Uh, and the Flyers found a way to lose, like, lose each and every one of those games. Which I feel like is a compliment to the Islanders. Like, this is why the Islanders are annoying. Because there's no indication, nowhere in the numbers, nowhere when you watch tape, nowhere you look for skill in the roster. There's nothing that says they should be a top-end team. Trotz is a fucking master when it comes to pressing buttons. And they play good enough defense. And like what this man does, like it's magic. How it really is magic. (laughs) Because he started his entire career. He did it with some very not too good rosters in Nashville. And Washington, I mean, he should have won like two or three cups there, but that's just that team. But the fact is, he did win the cup, and then the the Capitals decided, let's not pay him. Yeah, and I, you know, we could ask the Caps how that's going. But you're right, he's. this is the third different team he's been with. Well, they just fired a coach today, so... <laughs> yeah, they might be, they might have to talk to him about it, but... 
They're a different team 20-something years, and he's won everywhere. I mean, Nashville won a couple playoff series in Nashville, which to me, at that point in time with the franchise, I'm counting that as winning something. And then he took the cap scene that we saw choke year in and year out and finally pushed them through to become a team that that won it all. And hopefully he doesn't do that shit with the Islanders, but I think when it comes to Barry Trotz, this is like the worst formation he could get for... It's a team that commits defensively. They have one game breaker that can break through any other team's defensive system and can kind of help create chances and a goal when you need it. Uh, and bars all. And then Varlamov isn't like a like an elite goalie. He ain't bad though. Like he's gonna help. St- like he could steal a game or two this series, or he's gonna come through at big points in the series for him. Uh, like he's not Carey Price, but he's he's also up there in the goaltending. Um, in terms of like the underlying numbers when it comes to goaltending. So uh, when you look uh, overall, in all situations, here are the numbers between Hart and Varlamov. Uh, all situations, so not just 5-5. Five five. Hart, 943 save percentage. He led the 12 goalies that qualified in terms of 300 minutes played. Uh, 6.34 goals saved uh, against average. So he's second in that, which is pretty good. And then 13 goals against, 18.57 expected goals against. 5.57 differential is the second best among those 12 goalies. Uh, and then also for perspective in the first round, Price had the best differential on that. So he saved the most goals for the Canadians. He saved more goals than for the Canadians than other, any other goalie saved goals for any other team in the first round. So it wasn't just Hart stealing the games for the Canadians or for the Flyers. Like Price was doing some work for the Canadians there too. Uh, and then Corpus Al was third with five. And we know what Corpus Al did in the first round. Uh, Varlamov. 934 save percentage, which was fifth. Uh, fifth in the goal saved above average. And then 15 goals against on 19.02. Expect the goals against fourth best fourth best differential. So he's been playing well, pretty well uh, as well, but just not quite on Hart's level. So it's going to be it's gonna be another goaltending duel. Like, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of similarities between this series and Canadian series. It just might be slower. And uh, the Flyers might be able to kind of create a little bit more. Or it's going to look like the Flyers are dictating pace a little bit more. Because we didn't have that comfort against the Canadians. The Flyers kind of looked on their heels the whole series. And uh, I'm hoping that does not continue. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, 
We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So looking at the looking at the flyer side of the puck, considering that they they completely changed a lot of their style to better play against the Canadians and everything, who do you think are the pivotal flyers for this this series coming up? I mean, it's not to pick easy ones, but I'm gonna go with Katoria Hayes and Niskanen. Uh, I think Niskanen's gonna be a big factor because he can't play I think he's going to look better than he did against Canadians um, because I think the Canadian speed and their ability to kind of pursue him when he had the puck in the defensive zone I don't know if the Islanders going to be able to play with that same speed and aggression like I don't know if they're going to be able to pressure him much but he should have more time to operate and he can't look like shit this series because uh, the, the Flyers are going to need their top four to kind of kill it and they got by last series with uh, Niskanen fucking around and Provorov doing pretty good to kind of carry him around and do some patchwork in game six. But he's got to play well, and Sanheim Myers keep, need to keep playing as well as they, they can. Katori and Hayes, I expect them to have a a better... I don't want to say they had bad... Like, Hayes turned it on the last couple games in that Canadian series, and Katori was getting chances. He just didn't bury them. So Katori has got to bury his chances, and Hayes... I want to see Hayes do better at the five on five battle and kind of take away one of those lines has to remove another line from the series. Like the Hayes line kind of got removed by the Canadian one of the Canadians lines that series. I think they went up against Tatar, uh, Suzuki and Gallagher a lot. Like that line matched up against the second line and they got the better of them in a bunch of games at five on five. I need to see Hayes. I mean, that was one of the Flyers biggest advantages in the round Robin was having that second line take advantage of the other team's matchups where, you know, you saw Hayes and Konechny out there a ton and Scott Lawton really took advantage of that well. And not having that factor really, really hurt them against the Canadians. Yeah, no, no, it really did. And that's, that's, this is why the Hayes signing is so huge because in the past, you know, it's always been Couturier and then we would have been, well, hope somebody can stop that Bavillier-Nelson-Bailey line. But right now, like Nelson is... He's a bigger guy than um, Dano or Dazuki, and I don't think he's as quick, but he can skate. But I think I think Hayes should play better against him or Barzal. I mean, I want to put Couturier up against Barzal. I forgot to look at their numbers, like how they played uh, matched up this season. But if he if Couturier does a pretty good job of taking out Barzal, I think that's going to be a huge dimension of the series that. Like it's going to come down to how much honestly Barzal can. When you watch the cat, watch that Cap series and the Panthers series, there's a lot of times where Barzal just had the puck and was circling around the zone, just waiting for something to happen. And uh, I, I think if you take that aspect of the series away, they're going to look even worse on offense. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say the top two centers in Niskanen. It, it, like Hart's an easy choice, but you always, I mean, like going into the series, they're if they're going to win, he's going to need that plays plays ass off and uh, I expect the second pair to keep doing what they're doing. So I want Niskan to step up their game and I need Hayes or Katori to 
help step up and make sure one of these lines is taken out by the Islanders. Because that that would be a, that would change a lot of elements of the series. So that's uh, who uh, who are you thinking in mind, Stefan? Who are you feeling? You mentioned some really good ones. I think one of the things that really helped the Flyers late in that Montreal series was the the improved play of Jake Voracek. Uh, Voracek really really stepped it up in a great way. So I, I think Voracek, if he can keep that up, that'll be a huge factor for the Flyers. Uh, Travis Konechny, who we we're talking about before, I think if he can kind of rediscover himself and and get his jerk groove back I, he's then yeah yeah i i think travis connectney is a huge difference maker uh in that department so if you get, if you have travis connectney like free and you know mixing it up with the other guys and scoring goals then that makes all the difference in the world for the flyers and i'm hoping he i'm hoping he does open it up more this series uh i think that's that line uh, or whoever he's going to be paired with with Hayes. i think Faraby and Konechny, I think, should get more opportunities this series. Uh, just well, Faraby was great in chances against the Canadians, or at least I felt like he was. And uh, I, I think he's playing pretty well. And I think uh, I think Konechny should get more opportunities this series. I just want him to see more of an asshole too. I, whenever he's on the ice, I just want him talking. I just want him to be that. Yeah, I want him to be the pest. I want him to be the annoying guy on the Flyers where. You know, Gallagher wanna shut the fuck up with a broken jaw and we all kinda of want him to shut up. I want that I want I wanna see Connected be that guy. That there's literally no shutting him up and he's always pissing off the other team. And I feel like it would be like that fourth line will bite for the Islanders. Like they'll talk a lot of shit too and try and like make it a physical series. So if you get them to focus on Connect Me and get them to try and do stupid shit to Connect Me and they wanna take cheap shots out of them, give us power plays off, give the Flyers power plays off, but that's fine. Um but yeah, he's got to start. He's got to start being more visible, one way or another. I prefer goals, but if if he's struggling to score goals, be the guy that every like the NBC crew and the other team is focusing a lot of time on for no reason. <laughs> be that, yeah. be that asshole in the series. <laughs> be the jerk. Be the jerk. Put the jerk back in the jerk store. I'm missing, exactly. uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess the jerk store got affected by quarantine hours or something, but I, I want to see it get back up and running. Uh, I'm tired of, uh, I don't know. I, I want to see more connecting. I want I want to love connecting. And I, I just want to see a little more out of them right now. That's all. I guess uh, another factor, too, is going to be how that, how Grant plays to the bottom, the bottom six. Because, again, if Grant Thompson and Pitlick can somehow match up with intensity with that fourth line i i think that'll be it's get that fourth line is just gonna be so annoying to hear about all series like i'm just not looking forward to it like they're just going to go around hitting people and we're gonna get pierre for a game and he's gonna talk so much about how cloud cal clutterbucks hits in the first period are gonna have a lasting impression on i don't know phil myers until the third period is some bullshit like the narrative shit is gonna get hyped up so much in this series but i i don't know i still uh I don't know. Like overall, I'm feeling a little more positive, I think, than I would have a couple months ago. Or even if you, if the Flyers were to play the Islanders in the first round, I feel a little more positive about it, just based off of uh, how Hart's playing. And I think the Flyers got a practice round with the Canadians, uh, and now they have a slowed down version of that. So I'm looking. Uh, I'm feeling good, Steve. Feeling good. Feeling great. Okay, I I didn't think you were gonna say that. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, well, you know, not uh, great. Yeah, not great, but I'm feeling. You're feeling like a, somewhat optimistic. 
the chances of them winning in my mind went from like five percent to like uh, I don't know twenty. I don't know. Like, I, I see don't this. Know. As, uh, see, I don't see it as a twenty percent chance. I see this as like a fifty-fifty series. I I think it could go either way. Uh, it's the same way I feel about Boston Tampa Bay. Like I really feel like either oh, of those man, series Boston, could. Yeah. They're they're both coin flips to me. Yeah, and that's gonna be. I, I really don't know which way to lean on Tampa, uh, Boston. I kind of hope. No, I mean, I think honestly, all things considered, Boston would probably be the better matchup for the Flyers. They've played them better this year, and I think they would play. A, I think they'd be a little bit slower uh, compared to the Lightning. The Lightning just scared the shit out of me because I think the Flyers' forecheck doesn't really matter against them because they have a lot of dudes that can just create at the blue line. And just, uh, like, when the Flyers try and attack while they're up, it just doesn't matter. Like, we saw that in the round-robin game. And also, the the Lightning just took it to them during the regular season. So, uh, I really, that series, I don't know. Out West, I got both the top seeds making it out. Oh, uh, I think so. Even though Dallas yeah. did, uh, I, did Colorado last night. Yeah. I'm gonna, this is part of me, the, the, the revisiting my uh, opinions and shit. I picked the stars of the dark horse out of the West this year back when we did preseason predictions. Just saying. I know those preseason predictions like a year ago now, but uh, I did say the stars who don't God, score goals at all. Almost a year. It's yeah, it's been it's weird. It's been really weird. Like they're gonna be doing I think the Flyers might still be in the postseason coming up on a year from when like their preseason games for this year were going on. So that's gonna be a weird thing to to pass up. But uh, yeah. yeah, and also like the Golden Knights, I think they'll, I think that might be a little bit closer because William Markstrom has been playing. But I think I think the Golden Knights are gonna come out on that series as well. Yeah, but as far as as the Flyers Islanders go, like I I don't love this matchup for the Flyers by any stretch of the imagination. But do I think they they can't win this series? Not at all. Uh, I think it's fifty fifty. I really think it's going to be annoying. But if the Flyers. It comes down to if the Flyers can actually, you know, capitalize on the chances they do get against the Islanders, then they're going to be successful, in my opinion. It's because I think they can shut down the Islanders offense, but I'm concerned about them getting through Barry Trotz's system and actually like capitalizing on the chances they do get, especially because, you know, the Flyers infamously amongst their own fan base are known for passing too much and not shooting enough. And we saw that a decent amount against Montreal where they really were looking for the perfect opportunity so often. Yeah. And that was especially on, on the power play. Uh, but no, you're right. That is something that they're going to have to kind of shore up and, and change that. Cause they are going to, they're going to do a pretty good job of getting the passing lanes and fucking shit up in the defensive zone. That did remind me of another stat that I don't know if I dropped yet, which probably, you know, I'm dropping stats, but the, so the, the Islanders have played nine games in the bubble. They've only allowed three goals or more twice. They allowed three goals twice, and that was their two losses. So every single game they've won, they've held the opponent to two goals or less. But as soon as they've gotten three, they've lost. So I'm, I'm not saying a magic number type of thing here, but they do really love to play low-scoring hockey and just kind of work with one nothing, 2 nothing leads and go from there. So if the Flyers can get out to an early lead in, in these games, that, I mean, they're, that's going to be putting New York on uh, the defensive because they're not going to be used to that. So they're going to be a little more aggressive offensively and that might get them out of their comfort zone. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, I said 20%. Anything is possible with a goalie. And now the Flyers have one. 
I mean, I think it's safe to say that they do have a pretty decent goalie based off of that first playoff series. Uh, and he can steal any number of games. So if he if he steps up and he keeps rolling like he has been, I think the Flyers have a really good chance. But if I'm going based off what I'm expecting the game script to be, how the Flyers have just found ways to lose against this team and they found ways to win, and how I'm expecting like the pace of play and shit to be, I, I don't feel great. But again... You limit the number of like cross ice uh, one timers and breakaways Hart has to face, and he'll he'll give you a chance every single night. So maybe maybe I am not I'm not giving the Flyers as much a chance as I should because they do have Hart and Net now. Uh, but you know we'll see, Steve. We'll see. Uh, we'll uh, we'll find out. It's uh it's coming up. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, what else here? Do you want to run through the playoff series real quick, and then you can do the uh. I was going to say that brings us to our, our schedule. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Flyers start this on Monday, the 24th at 7 p.m. Uh, that game, all the games are nationally broadcast at this point. So unfortunately, no more J.J. and Clement. And for the record, Bill Clement's laugh watching Derek Grant uh, <laughs> head pat Suzuki at the end was magnificent. I posted on my Twitter, on the Fly Purbly Twitter, if you did not hear it yet. It was one of my highlights of the playoffs so far, but uh, it's <laughs> it all <pretty> good. <laughs> national broadcast from this point on. And, uh, unf- but fortunately, no more Mike Milbury because he got the lonely. Oh, God. Yeah, look, we'll talk more about that on Thursday, but I, yeah, I mean, we obviously we'll, we'll talk about it, but uh, Jesus Christ, Mike Milbury. Like he, that's gotta be it. Right, like that's got to be the final I, I straw. I would hope so. You can't, he so. can't, you can't not bring any analysis to the table, and then also be saying stupid ass shit like that, and having these yeah. horrible fucking opinions. So that's got to be it for him. We'll yeah. find out. Uh, believe me, we'll have a proper send off for Mike Milbury on Fly Purbly later this week. Uh, and FYI, on Fly Purbly, we are aiming towards recording that after uh, the game on Thursday. But I will get into the schedule shortly. So you'll have a fly perfectly late, late in the week. Uh, so Monday, the 24th, 7 p.m. Wednesday, the 26th, 3 p.m. start. That's right. The 3 p.m. starts while you are still uh, doing work are still happening. I I didn't mind them when you had like wall-to-wall hockey, but, you know, eh, it, it's tough. This one, okay. Week. Like Friday, I can kind of get an excuse to like drop off a little early. It's a little tougher, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. 3 p.m. But then where this is where the schedule gets wacky. You get a back-to-back. So Thursday, the 27th, Islanders, 7 p.m., obviously the Islanders. So Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday at noon, which I don't okay. mind that. That's, Saturday that's just day drinking right there. Yeah that's, yeah, that's all that is, yeah. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday for your, your week of Flyers hockey and Hopefully we're uh we're looking at a flyer sweep and not even talking about next week, but I highly doubt that will be the oh, case. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I doubt that. Yeah, flyer sweep. Any honestly, any sweep. I'm not really expecting this series. This series has got to at least go to six. I think either way. Yeah, um, I would be shocked if the series doesn't go to six at minimum. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, that three p.m. Sorry, we got to talk about that. Why? Like, why now? Because like we're at the point now. It should just be one East, one West matchup each night, and then that's it. Like, and why the back to back? Like, no, it's exactly back to back. It's just it's bonkers. You're not sharing the arenas with anybody. Like, you have the entire bubble to yourself every other day. One match. You don't have to worry about like the Rolling Stones coming in on their. (laughs) 
100-year-old tour. Like, you don't have to worry about that. I don't know why I picked on the Stones there. They are very old, yeah. but, you know. No, they're old. They've been yeah, making jokes about, about the Stones being old since 1988, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, Keith Richards has got to be, like, a thousand by now. Or dead. I don't know. if He's still alive, right? Still doing his to thing. To my knowledge, yes. But so there you go. Yeah, but they're not coming in. There's no concert coming in. Nobody's coming in. You don't have to share the arena. Why the yeah? Really the why the like the back to back thing just confuses me. That yeah. and like honestly, I can just... deal with the three p.m. The back to back makes no sense to me at this point. Oh, I thought like the three p.m. too to me. I'm not happy be... about that either because it's in the middle of the week. If it was Friday, I I right. would be okay yeah, because yeah, I yeah. would just figure something out. But you know, middle of the week. Come on, come on. Yeah, come on, guys. Come on, come on, NHL. You fucking you jerks. You bunch of, you, you fucking, just like the worst shit talking. You fucking, you, 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 you jerkheads. Like you're completely at a loss for, for Yeah, like I'm something. just, just blown away at how poor the schedule is. I just, you know, you fucking, uh, I want to talk about how much the Flyers have beaten the shit out of the Islanders in, in playoff history. Because they haven't played them since 1987. Uh, but the Flyers have beaten the Islanders in their four playoff series, uh, they beat the Islanders. I always love bringing up. I'm, this is the one reason I'm glad the Flyers are playing the Islanders because I get to bring up this fact because I find it interesting, even though nobody else is going to enjoy it. But the Flyers beat the Islanders in seven games in the 1975 semifinals before the Flyers went on to beat the Sabres uh, to win the 75 Cup. The thing about that 75 Islanders team, uh, the series before that, they played the Penguins and overcame a 03 series deficit to become one of the. Uh, four teams to overcome an 0-3 series deficit in NHL history. Then they played the Flyers, and in that series, they went down 3-0 in that series and forced a Game 7 before the Flyers knocked them out in seven games. So the 1975 Islanders have two, have erased, uh, in NHL history, nine series have seen a team erase an 0-3 series deficit to force a Game 7. 1975 Islanders have two of them, which I, I don't know. I think is kind of fucking nuts, considering how unlikely it is for a team to just force a game seven slash win it and one team almost did it twice in one year. So I Sounds just exhausting. felt like pointing it. Sounds tired as hell. Wrote a whole post about it because uh you know we're in the middle of quarantine and there's nothing else going on. So I think I might share that too coming up. But yeah they must have been tired and uh <laughs> it was all for nothing. So you know. Uh nineteen eighty though was worth something because they uh Ended up beating the Flyers in six games in the uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, the Islanders and the refs. Refs decided to miss a couple offsides call. I think it was all neato and cool and uh, gave the Islanders a Stanley Cup. That's what I'm going Leon off Leon Stickle. Leon Stickle and the Flyers won 35 straight games without losing in that season. Not enough to win a Stanley Cup. So thanks, refs. Uh, and then the next two, the Flyers won. Uh, 1985 and 1987 Patrick Division Finals. Flyers won uh, in five games in 85. Pelly Lindbergh, 929 save. This, we're talking about 1985 here when I say these stats, by the way, for a playoff series. Uh, 929 save percentage and two shutouts, which is basically the Lord's work. I mean, that was, yeah, that's, there's no. And then uh, Philly lost on a 1985 Stanley Cup final to the Oilers in five games. Tim Kerr got hurt. Some other stupid shit happened. Uh, 87 Flyers. Five games, uh, seven games. No, no, 85 was five games. Uh, 87. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, 87 I, was. I completely got lost on the on the outline here. Yeah, it's okay. Also, the fact that <laughs> Did you played the Oilers twice in two years. You got lost in this thrown-together, haphazard, five-page outline? No, there's no, that's not possible. Uh, 1987, uh, the Flyers then beat the Islanders in seven games uh, in the Patrick Division finals. Uh, 
Ilka Sinisella, two-goal game. I, I, you know, we talk about a lot of random flyers on this podcast. I don't know the last time we mentioned uh, good old Sinisella. But uh, two goals in a 5-1 Game 7 win. And then that's the series the Flyers lost in seven games to the Oilers in the Stanley Cup Final. J.J. Daniel goal in Game 6. Ron Hextall being called the greatest goalie ever by the greatest player ever. Yada, yada, yada. So that is... You know, there's the one common times. thread in all of these matchups, though. The Flyers went to the Cup. Uh-huh. So, what am I saying? Just... Just well, saying. Well, look... Here's another. All I'm gonna say too is I really think the speed. I think the speed of the Canadians really fucked with the Flyers. Islanders have players that are fast. I don't. I don't think they're as quick. I don't think they're gonna be on the Flyers as much as the defensive zone and guys like Niskanen are gonna run to issues getting the puck out of the zone. I think they're gonna have a little bit better chance with that. And if they can somehow beat the Islanders, I, I don't know. I think they can take the Bruins. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. We got to worry about beating the Islanders first, which is going to yeah, be. A we got to beat the Islanders. Yeah, it's going to be a huge easy, ask. Easy, but time. I do like the idea of history. Uh, I like the idea of uh, you know you beat the Islanders, they have gone to the cup. I do like that thread. And uh, we'll see. Uh, talk about some players that should be able to uh, help the Flyers do that this week. With the uh, players I think of the so. Week. Yeah, so last week for our Players of the Week, uh, we decided I went with uh, Travis Sanheim. Craig went with Claude Giroux. And Yikes. sadly, neither of them really did that much. Travis Sanheim uh, was responsible for a pretty lousy goal in one of the games. Uh, Claude oh, yeah. Giroux at least had two assists in one game. Uh, Sanheim had one assist. So uh, combined three points for our Players of the Week ain't going to cut it. But Craig does technically win this one over me because his player had Ooh. no points. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about any of that either. Because I thought Sanheim played okay. Uh, I thought he played okay this week. He did have some bad goals against, but I played all right. And then Drew kind of got murdered on that third line in one of those games. So uh, that was just I'll, an I'll, I'll take the win, though. <laughs> Ill-conceived <laughs> idea from uh, Big Al in that game. You don't like that Grant? You're not feeling the Grant-Drew uh, uh, Lawton line? Not a big fan of the... Oh, yeah. That's, yeah I'm surprised that didn't work out. JVR yeah, I can't Drew, believe it. Yeah. Yeah. JVR Drew Law wasn't either great either. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll figure on out by the, the first game. Uh, I... Let's see. Who am I thinking here? Well, I know who I'm picking. Why don't you go first? I have a feeling I know who you're going to pick. I'm going with Kevin gonna... Hayes. Oh, no. Okay. I thought you were going to go with TK. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with yeah. Hayes just because I thought he picked up more and more steam as that series he... went on. Yeah. I and mean, I think he, he's hitting his stride right now. I'm very excited to see what Hayes brings to the table. And, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed watching him all year, especially on the penalty kill. So, yeah. uh, Kevin Hayes, I, I'm expecting big things from him this week. And I'm hoping that without, I'm hoping he has better matchups in the Islander series than he did for the Canadians. I think, I don't know if they'll be easier, but I think they suit him better. Like, I think uh, Brock Nelson's just a bigger guy that isn't as quick. Um, so I yeah. think he'll, he but should he, do better. He can deal with that. He can deal with that. Yeah. That's, and speed was the difficult thing. We get Hayes, we get games six and seven Hayes. I'm feeling a lot more confident. That guy fucking came to, or yeah, game five and six. Game five, he showed up. He had a bunch of scoring chances in game five and Carey Price robbed him. Uh, and then in game six, he, he scored. So yeah, if he's starting to get going and if Couture can still, if Couture can get some goals here and, you know, Drew stepping up too, um, I, I'm going to feel a lot better about how they're going to look. Um, I I think for me, I'm going to go with... Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with... I'm going to say Myers. 
I'm gonna pick Myers. Phil. No, we're gonna go with Myers. Yeah, because I think they're gonna Santa and Myers are gonna need to kill it again, and I think Myers is gonna come through with another goal here uh, early in the week. Uh, goal against Het Price was a little bit lucky, but I think he's gonna get a legitimate one this week, and I think him and Sandheim are gonna look good going up against either Lee Barzal, Everly, or uh, Bavillier, Nelson, uh, Bailey. So I'm gonna go you with know, Myers. It, well, in Myers' defense, in the uh, words of the the great wise man Michael Scott, uh, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and I was like. And also, you're talking about the overpassing thing. I went back and I looked at the goals from Game Six. Man, Sandheim, instead of throwing the puck at net and at the net and having it go off raffle, he had a, he looked and had an avenue to pass the Hayes, but thankfully he just shot the puck. And I was like, he could have passed it there, and that game could have looked a lot different, and people would have been real pissed. <laughs> but he just shoot, yeah, I guess shoot the puck, just throw the puck on that. I guess that's the never never a bad shot. Just get it on that, and uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Myers this week. So hopefully, uh, I have a feeling the points may not be there, but I just want the dude to play defense. I just want that pair to look good. All right, I like it. I'm into it. I like it. Deep breath, guys. It's gonna be an interesting <laughs> week ahead. I mean, for all we know, we could just be you know calling for doomsday, and the Flyers can come out on fire. But we yeah. won't know until we see the series. Uh, it's it should be you know. Again, a little bit more of the same, but different. So, uh, yeah, we won't know until the puck drops, though. Yeah. Uh, same misery, but new version of misery. I think it's a good way to, like a new, a, a, a variation of the misery. So it's you're, not You're really be fun. setting up some exciting hockey, Craig. I, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm not selling, I'm not selling the product. I'm just, I'm, I'm here to tell you what to expect out of the product. Uh, it's not my fault the league's gonna, you know, we gotta watch this series, but we do. And, uh, here we are. <laughs> Technically, it's the Flyers' fault because they did too well in the round robin. Yes, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be playing the Lightning right now. Where the Bruins? It's all... <laughs> yeah, it's the, these last three teams are are it's not the cool. Playoffs. It's gonna be rough. It's yeah, that is the playoffs. You can't really expect to play a bunch of cupcakes each round. So yeah, that's. Uh, we'll figure. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see what happens. Folks, that's all we got for you on the forecast this week. Uh, so, uh, again, Islander series, if uh, it's not a sweep either way, we will be back with another forecast next week and fly perfectly later in the week. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to... Uh... I think I'm going to try and keep doing the goal articles, but I don't, I'm not going to do every single goal. I'm just going to pick out... Uh one or two a game and then try and write something else each week. I want to start, I'm, I'm trying to, I want to do more narrative pieces or kind of like emotions as opinion pieces during the playoffs too. And not just uh break down every single goal, but I'll see. I mean, we'll see if anybody has a reaction to that. Um, to, or if they decide I should keep doing the, the goal articles, whatever, but I'm going to start trying to slow that down and kind of pump out more, more stuff too, in terms of like uh, just the emotion of the series. So that's what I'm going to try to start trying to do this series. So that's what I'm working on. All right. We will be right. on the lookout for it. Uh, you can reach me at Flyperbole or at Estebon, but for your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, and be sure to check out all the great podcast offerings we have for you on Broad Street Hockey, checking out the competition, post games, and of course, BSH Radio. Uh, lots of good stuff headed for you folks. Thanks again for all your support. Wear a damn mask, wash your hands, social distance, all that stuff. 
Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.